What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John. And this week, we are back to analyze the UFC 262 pay-per-view going down tomorrow night, Saturday, May 15th, 2021, headlined by Michael Chandler versus Charles Oliveira for the vacant UFC lightweight championship. This 12-fight car will take place from Houston, Texas, which means it will take place in the big UFC cage and will start around 6.30 p.m. tomorrow. And just a quick recap of last week, we did predict 6 out of 9 fights correctly on the podcast and profit 3.65 units on official track bets, which means we are on a 5-event winning streak for track bets. My track bets have won in 7 of the past 8 UFC events, so make sure you're tailing my bets. I'm on a pretty good streak right now, and we're making a lot of profit. So hope you're all tailing, hope you all won some money on the past events, and we have a great pay-per-view card, some great prelims. A really good main card with some great co-main and main events, so I'm really looking forward to this card. And with that being said, we're going to get into the first fight on the card, which takes place in the lightweight division. We have Christos Yagos as the minus 193 favorite, taking on Sean Soriano as the plus 168 underdog. So Soriano is coming back to the UFC. He was in the UFC several years ago, and he lost all of his fights due to getting taken down and outgrappled. At one point, he lost like five out of six fights due to getting taken down and outgrappled, and I think his defensive grappling has improved a little bit. His offensive striking is good. He can land some good clinch strikes. He targets the body pretty well. But he is a natural 145er. He is coming in here on very short notice. And he's likely either going to need to knock Yagos out in round one or have some incredible cardio to be able to survive that early storm from Yagos. But considering that Soriano doesn't even have good historical cardio, most of the times when his fights get into the second and third round, he does lose. So I don't have much faith in Soriano's cardio here. And I don't think he's going to be able to stop the takedowns of Yagos. Yagos is a decent striker, but he's definitely looking to get the fight to the floor. Has solid wrestling, has decent top control as well. So I think Yagos should be pretty safe in this one to hit takedowns and outgrapple Soriano. And even though Yagos is kind of known to gassing out halfway through the fights, I think he should be able to win two out of three rounds here with his takedowns and top game. And his cardio did look a little bit better that minus fight as well. So the pick for me is going to be Yagos here. I think he's going to hit takedowns and outgrapple grapple Soriano but there is a slight chance that Soriano is able to survive that early storm and comes back in the second and third round so in terms of money line I think it is Yago surpass at this point if you want to bet Soriano just look to live bet him he's definitely going to be a live a better live price after getting taken down in round one so uh, the pick for this one is going to be Yago's by decision just a quick note before I get into the next fight, there is some construction going on in my area and I'm doing my best to block out that noise, but it is a little hard to avoid. So I apologize if you can hear any faint buzzing or something in the background and uh, hopefully it doesn't affect the podcast too much. But the next fight is going to be in the featherweight division. We have Tucker Lutz as the minus 119 favorite taking on Kevin Aguilar as the minus 101 underdog. This is Tucker Lutz's UFC debut, and he is dropping down to 145 pounds here. His past few fights have been at 155. I've seen pretty good things from Tucker Lutz so far. He seems well-rounded in all areas of MMA. We haven't really seen his defensive grappling tested too much, but I doubt that comes into play here because Kevin Aguilar is not much of an offensive wrestler. I've seen decent pressure striking from Lutz. He can throw good consistent leg kicks. He's got solid combination punches, and he also can mix it up with his own takedowns in top position. And... I don't think it's very likely that Tucker Lutz hits takedowns here because Kevin Aguilar has shown pretty good takedown defense. He stuffed a lot of Enrique Barzola's takedowns. So I think this fight should stay on the feet. And I just give Tucker Lutz a slight striking advantage there. I think his leg kick is going to be there. I think he's going to be landing a little more consistent offense. 
And Aguilar is a decent boxer. He could compete in the striking, possibly win the striking exchanges, but I just don't see enough consistent output from him. He doesn't keep that output up over 15 minutes. And I think that Tucker Lutz is going to be the more effective striker. I think I've seen pretty good cardio from Tucker Lutz in his past few fights as well. So I think Tucker Lutz is going to stuff any takedowns here and just be the more effective striker with his leg kicks and his punches here. So I'm picking Tucker Lutz to win a decision here. He could pour it on late and find a finish because Aguilar did look pretty bad in the second half of the fight against Charles Rosa, but I'm going to go with the decision pick just to be safe here. So Tucker Lutz is going to win his UFC debut by decision in my opinion. The next fight takes place in the women's flyweight division. We have Gina Mazzani as the minus 208 favorite taking on Priscilla Cachoeira as the plus 178 underdog. This line seems pretty accurate to me. I think that Mazzani should be the better fighter everywhere. I give Mazzani a slight striking advantage, although I do expect the striking to be the closest part of the fight. Cachoeira just marches forward on the feet without much defense. She does have pretty good durability, and she does spam offensive strikes, so I could see the striking being close between these two, but Mazzani should be the better technically skilled fighter everywhere, and if Mazzani shoots takedowns in this fight, she should get takedowns, and I think that Mazzani should outgrapple Cachoeira pretty easily. Cachoeira has terrible takedown defense. Typically cannot get up off of her back either, so if Masani comes in here with the right game plan to wrestle, I think that she will wrestle successfully, and she will outgrapple Cachoeira pretty heavily. So the Masani submission prop, I think, is worth a stab at like plus 1,000. I think if Masani is winning this fight the easiest way, it is with grappling, and I think this submission could look live there. So I'm fine with stabbing on the Masani submission prop at that price, but the overall pick will be Masani by decision. I think Mazzani could win the fight in a lot of different ways, could find a finish, but I'll go with decision just to be safe. But I do expect the value to be on Mazzani in this spot. If she comes in with the right game plan, she should look like a hindsight pretty big favorite, so I'm picking her to win. The next fight takes place in the women's flyweight division. We have Antonina Shevchenko as the minus 122 favorite, taking on Andrea Lee as the plus 102 underdog. I actually already have a bet tracked in this fight. It is the Andrea Lee money line at plus 155. I was able to bet that for 0.75 units about a week or two ago, and I did send out a tweet when I did it, so make sure you're following me on Twitter. I think that the wrong fighter could be favored in this spot, honestly, because Andrew Lee has had some bad luck. She lost some split decisions. She probably should have got the decision win over Lauren Murphy. Her fight against Roxanne was really close. So Andrew Lee has been running into pretty stiff competition lately, and this is a step down in competition for her. I expect the striking to be really competitive between these two. At range, I think that Andrea Lee will be landing the better distance strikes. I think she's the better boxer. And Antonina Shevchenko just doesn't move her head at all. So I think that Lee should be landing some good punches while they're on the feet. And if the fight gets into the clinch, then it would start to favor Antonia Shevchenko. She has pretty good clinch striking with her knees and elbows and her long frame. But if Andrew Lee is able to get takedowns in this fight, I think that Lee could look like a massive favorite because when Shevchenko is taken down, she looks really bad off of her back. We saw that in the Chukagin fight. Chukagin took her down easily, kept her on bottom for the whole entire fight, 13 or 14 minutes, and was just completely dominated on bottom. So if Andrew Lee can replicate that game plan, get it in the clinch, get some trip takedowns, I think that she will get those takedowns and keep top position and likely dominate Shevchenko on the mat. So if Lee comes in with the right game plan, she should be able to hit takedowns and outgrapple Shevchenko pretty heavily. But even if the fight stays in the feet, I think that Lee will hold her own in the striking, could even win the striking exchanges with her boxing. So I like Andrea Lee here. I think that she, she should be around 55%. So even at plus 102, there is some value left, but if you're getting in this late, you're likely just chasing some steam. Make sure you're really confident in the bet if you're betting at this price because the best price is long gone. I got plus 155. It's at plus 102 right now, so trade lightly on that, but 
Andrea Lee is going to be the pick. I think she gets it done by decision. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Jamie Pickett as the minus 112 favorite, taking on Jordan Wright as the minus 108 underdog. This fight is nearly a pick It's been this way for weeks, but honestly, I think that Jordan Wright should be a slight favorite here. Neither of these guys are that good, but I do think that Jordan Wright is a little more polished. I think he's got the higher ceiling. I think he can win the fight in more ways, and honestly, I'm just really unimpressed by Jamie Pickett. He doesn't have good boxing defense. He tends to get lit up with strikes in the feet. He's got some decent offensive boxing with some power behind it, but doesn't really have much process to setting up his offense. He also can be taken down. He also slows down as the fight goes on, doesn't have the best cardio. So there's just a lot of bad things about Jamie Pickett. And it's not like Jordan Wright is that great either. He is also pretty bad at defending punches. When he's pressured, he can get hit with punches and not have good defense. We saw that in the Hernandez fight and the Buckley fight. Both of those guys were able to knock him out. So if Jamie Pickett wants to win this fight, he's going to have to replicate that same game plan. He's going to need to pressure right, get him moving backwards, get him uncomfortable, and unleash a combination of punches and hope one of those punches touches the chin and puts right out. But if he's not able to get that barrage of offense going and to knock out right early, I don't see many paths to victory for Pickett here. I do think the right has the more technical striking ability, but considering he doesn't have the best chin or defense, he probably is going to be looking to hit some level changes here, and he does have some decent wrestling ability. He has submitted a lot of his opponents before he got to the UFC, so I think it's entirely possible we see Wright mix it up with some level changes, get some takedowns, and possibly submit Pickett on the ground here. So the price on Wright's submission prop I think is worth a stab, and I think I'm going to pick Wright by submission to get the fight done. I think that he could win the fight in all three ways, knockout to decision or submission but considering that I think that he's going to be a bit worried about the power of Pickett coming back at him I think we're going to see some takedowns on right I think he's going to get him and I think he's going to probably find a submission on Pickett somewhere so the pick for me is Jordan Wright by second round submission the next fight takes place in the featherweight division we have Mike Grundy as the minus 122 favorite taking on Lando Venata as the plus 102 underdog I think that line is pretty accurate. I do agree with Grundy being the slight favorite here. One thing to note about this fight is that Lando Venata is dropping down to 145 pounds. He spent most of his UFC career at 155, but is now dropping to 145. So interesting to see how that plays out. Grundy has some decent boxing, but his bread and butter is really hitting takedowns and going for chokes. He doesn't have much of a traditional top game, but he likes hitting his takedowns, letting his opponents get back up, and then when they do get up, he looks for front chokes. He looks for that anaconda, that darce, that guillotine, and he is pretty good with those chokes as well. One interesting statistic about this fight is that Lando Venata has been taken down in seven of his UFC fights, and he is 0-5-2 in those seven fights. So he's drawn two times and lost five times. So he's never won a UFC fight where he's been taken down. And unfortunately for Venata, he is facing another wrestler here. I think that Grundy's pure wrestling skill is really good. He has a vast arsenal of takedowns, and I think he is going to take down Lando Venata here. It's just a question of whether he's going to submit him or not. As I mentioned, he's not the type of guy to keep top position for multiple minutes. He's going to take you down, let you up, and try to choke you out. So I think in round one, Grundy is going to land takedowns. He is going to get close to a choke. I'm not positive if he's going to finish that choke or not, but I think that Grundy is the pre-fight side. Considering I do think he is going to win round one, I think he's going to have some choke opportunities in round one. I think if you like Lando Venata in this spot, he's a much better live bet. See how he's doing with the takedowns. See if Mike Grundy slows down after a few takedown attempts. And based on what I saw from Grundy in his last fight against Ivalev, Ivalev is a tremendous opponent, but Grundy was able to land a few early takedowns. He got a close submission in round one, and he was still shooting takedowns in round two. He was just going against a tremendous defensive grappler who was able to stuff those takedowns. But 
Lando Venata is not that. I think that Grundy has a good chance at hitting those takedowns and getting top position in rounds one and two. And I like the Grundy submission props for this fight. Grundy submission plus 700, maybe sub one, sub two, those props. I think those have value because I think in rounds one and two, we are going to see Lando Venata in a choke of some point and he's going to have to defend it. But my pick is actually going to be Mike Grundy to get that choke finish. I think he's going to get a submission finish in rounds one or two, and I'm going to go with round one. So the pick for me is going to be Mike Grundy by round one submission. I do think that Grundy is the pre-fight money line side, but if you're betting Grundy here, make sure you have some of those submission props as well, because if Grundy is winning, I think those submission props are going to look live. And once again, the pick for me is going to be Mike Grundy by round one submission. If you like Lando Venata here, don't bet him pre-fight. Look to bet him live. Look to bet him by decision or something like that. I do not think he's going to have much value in the first half of the fight. So the pick for me is going to be, once again, Grundy round one submission. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Jacare Souza as the minus 133 favorite, taking on Andre Muniz as the plus 113 underdog. I do agree with Jacare being the slight favorite here, and unless Jacare is just completely shot, this should be a pretty winnable matchup for him. I will say that Jacare's last performance against Kevin Holland has aged pretty badly. He got early takedowns on Holland, but he wasn't even able to establish top position without eating ground and pound strikes from the bottom and eventually got knocked out with that crazy knockout. But when you look at Holland's next two fights, Derek Brunson and Marvin Vittori were able to easily take him down and keep him in top position, hold him down for multiple minutes of a round. So when you think that Jacare couldn't do that and those other two guys could, it is a bit concerning. Jacare's durability is waning, but Muniz is not really a big hitter. He does have some decent striking skill when he's coming forward, throwing combinations. He can be effective landing strikes. So there's a slight chance that Muniz just swarms Jacare and is able to rock him with some strikes and knock him out. But other than that, I think that Muniz is going to have a hard time winning the fight because Muniz is mostly a submission guy. And I think that Jacare should have the much better jujitsu and should be the better positional grappler. So I don't think that Muniz is going to be able to take down and hold down Jacare. I don't think that Muniz is going to be able to guard submit Jacare from bottom. So unless Muniz is able to find a knockout on the feet somewhere, I just don't see how Muniz is going to win the fight. I think that Jacare should still be the better grappler should be capable of hitting takedown staying in top position and avoiding getting submitted might even be the one passing guard getting on top getting dominant positions might be looking for his own submission of some sort so i like jacare in this fight i think he should hit takedowns keep top position and win the fight either by decision or submission i'm gonna go with decision as my official pick jacare by decision but be careful betting in pre-fight there's a good chance that jacare is just completely shot and done so don't go too heavy on this one but jacare is the rightful slight favorite and i'm picking him to win by decision Next fight is the first fight on the main card, and it takes place in the featherweight division. We have Shane Burgos, who is the minus 145 favorite, taking on Edson Barbosa as the plus 125 underdog. I do agree with where this line is at. I actually already have a bet tracked in this fight. I have one unit on Shane Burgos' money line at minus 125. I also have a unit on Shane Burgos' no scorecards prop. I think this is a pretty good matchup for Burgos. It's a bad matchup for Barbosa. Barbosa always struggles with pressure boxers, and that's exactly what Shane Burgos is. Burgos just walks forward and pressures you from the first minute of the fight. He has tremendous offensive boxing skill. He has very good defensive boxing as well. Even though his last fight against Emmett, he was dropped a few times in that fight. He did eat a lot of damage in round three of that fight. He has elite durability. He was very hard to finish in that fight. And if he's surviving knockdowns from Josh Emmett, he should survive knockdowns from just about anybody. Oh, and by the way, I watched that fight this week. I had Burgos winning rounds 1 and 2 and Emmett winning round 3, 10-8. So that should have been a draw. The judges messed that one up. But regardless, 
This just seems like a textbook bad matchup for Edson Barbosa. He's never been really good on the back foot. He always does that gallop when he's running backwards and doesn't really know where he's running. And that's going to happen here. Burgos is going to be pressuring. He's going to be outboxing him. He's going to be digging to the body and taking out that gas tank from Barbosa. And if Barbosa wants to win this fight, he's going to have to likely find a knockout shot because I just do not see how it's possible for Barbosa to be winning rounds when he's going to be moving backwards, when he's going to be eating the harder shots. And if he wants to win this fight, he's probably going to have to just flatline Burgos at some point. But that's going to be tremendously hard to do because Burgos has an amazing chin. We saw him drop before, but we've seen him get up from those knockdowns and look pretty good and look pretty fresh afterwards. He had a pretty fast recovery to those knockdowns from Emmett in round three. So I I think this is a good matchup for Shane Burgos. I think he's going to pressure and outbox Edson Barbosa and probably finds a finish in the second half of the fight. So let's go with Shane Burgos round three TKO as the official pick. I think the ends by knockout prop has some value here, but overall the best bet for this fight is Shane Burgos money line. I think he's going to win the fight with his boxing pretty comfortably and I'm picking him and betting him to do so. This next fight takes place in the women's flyweight division. We have Caitlin Chukagian as the minus 136 favorite, taking on Viviana Araujo as the plus 116 underdog. I agree with where this line is at. I think that Chukagian should be the slight favorite in this matchup, but I realistically could see either woman winning the fight. It is a close matchup. We have the boxing and the power of Araujo versus the technical striking, the length of Chukagian. The striking should be really competitive between these two. I think that Araujo should have a boxing advantage, but in terms of an overall striking advantage, I would give that to Chukagian. I think she uses her reach a lot better. She stays long with her jab, her front kicks, and Chukagian has much more experience outstriking good opponents. When you look at Araujo's record so far, she hasn't fought many good strikers. I mean, the best striker she's really fought is Jessica I, and she got outboxed by Jessica I and lost that fight via decision. So I think this is probably going to be the toughest striking matchup for Araujo to date, while it's probably not the toughest matchup uh, for Chukagian. The next thing to analyze is the grappling between these two. I think that either woman could have their kicks caught and could be taken down in this fight. It's happened to both of them in the past. Araujo, it happened against Alexis Davis. She spent about three minutes on her back in that fight. And it happened to Chukagian against Joanne Calderwood. But I will say, on bottom, I think that Chukagian is a little bit better. And I think that if... Chukagan ends up on bottom, she has a better chance of getting back up to her feet, while if Araujo gets stuck on bottom, she could lose entire rounds there. And another thing to mention is that both these women can't hit traditional offensive takedowns. We saw that in Araujo's last fight against Roxanne Matafari, although she wasn't able to keep top position in that fight. And then in Chukagan's fight against Antonia Shevchenko, we saw dominant grappling, multiple takedowns, great top position in that fight. And I think that Chukagan is the better overall grappler. I think she's a little bit better at keeping top position i think she's a little bit better at escaping bottom position so i trust chukagan a little bit more in the spot i think if she ends up in a bad spot on the ground i trust her to escape and get back to a good position on the feet while if arahu gets put on bottom here i really think that she could lose entire rounds and lose the fight by getting taken down so the striking should be really close between these two i give chukagan a slight striking advantage and i give chukagan a pretty decent grappling advantage here so the pick for me is going to be caitlin chukagan by decision in terms of best though, it's not a fight I feel extremely confident betting on. I don't really see any props I really like either, so this is a pass in terms of bets for me. I do agree with where the line is at, Chukagan around 55-57%, so I'm picking Chukagan decision here, but no bets, and it's not an extremely confident pick. The next fight takes place in the Bantamweight division. We have Matt Schnell as the minus 158 favorite, taking on Hojirio Bontarin as the plus 138 underdog. 
One thing we should note is that Bontorin did miss weight. He took this fight on short notice and came in one pound heavy, so not the biggest weight miss, but for a guy who tends to slow down as the fight goes on, it's definitely not a good sign that he came in here and missed weight. But with that being said, I do think that Bontorin is the pre-fight money line side to be on, mostly because Bontorin is just very aggressive in round one. Round one is typically his best round. He comes aggressive with punches. He can be effective and land some good shots. And he also has good offensive takedowns. He can keep control of his opponents. He can attempt submissions. So in round one of this fight, I do slightly favor Bontorin, but I think there's a good chance that he slows down and that rounds two and three start to favor Matt Schnell a little bit more. The striking exchanges between these two are going to be really competitive. I think that Schnell is the more technical striker of the two, but he does have some chin issues, doesn't have the best defense, and I think that even with that slight striking advantage, he could get possibly rocked and knocked out from a punch at Bontorin at some point. Another reason why I think Bontorin is pretty live here is that Schnell has lost due to getting outgrappled in the past before. Tim Elliott took him down and choked him out. Hector Sandoval took him down and was able to TKO him with ground and pound. So we have seen Schnell lose fights due to getting taken down before. That was a few years ago. He has gotten a lot better since then. So I think we will see improvements in his defensive grappling. But I think there are enough concerns over Schnell to make this a clear dog or pass situation. If you like Matt Schnell here, I would take him round two, round three prop, maybe some decision props and just look to live bet Schnell. Look to see how he's doing with the early aggression of Bontran. But round one, I think favors Bontran. I think Bontran could even find a finish in round one at some point. So look out for Bontran here. I do think he's the pre-fight side. Maybe stab on some Bontran round one props. Maybe some round two, round three props for Matt Schnell because I think Bontran should slow down and Schnell should be the faster, more effective fighter in rounds two and three if he gets there. So the pick for me is going to be Matt Schnell by... Let's go with decision. I think he's going to win a 29-28 decision. Um, but this fight could go a lot of different ways and a lot of different bets I'd like for this one. But the pick ultimately will be Schnell by decision. The next fight is the co-main event of the card and takes place in the lightweight division. We have Benil Dalyush as the minus 170 favorite taking on Tony Ferguson as the plus 145 underdog. I think this line is pretty accurate. Dariush could even deserve a little bit more of a favorite, honestly, maybe closer to minus 200. I actually already have a bet tracked in this fight, one unit on Benil Dariush at minus 162. I think this matchup favors Benil Dariush everywhere. I think he should be the more effective striker. We've seen Tony Ferguson look extremely slow and hittable on the feet in his past two fights. He absorbed a ton of damage versus Justin Gaethje. Was just getting lit up with punches in that fight. Just had terrible boxing defense as well. So I think that Dariush should be pressuring on the feet. Should be landing his southpaw boxing like he typically does. And I think that the striking favors Benil Dariush. And getting over to the grappling, I think that that also favors Benio Daryush. I mean, we just saw Daryush hit takedowns and outgrapple Carlos Diego Ferreira for most of their fight. And considering I think that Diego Ferreira is a lot better of a defensive grappler, a lot better at jiu-jitsu than Tony Ferguson is, I think that you got to favor Benio Daryush on the mat here. Tony Ferguson looked very bad on bottom versus Charles Oliveira. Got easily taken down in that fight. Got stuck on bottom for 13, 14 minutes. Got his arm severely hyperextended by an arm bar there. So, I mean, Tony Ferguson just looks two, three steps slower than what he did a few years ago. I only see two ways for Tony Ferguson to win the fight. The first being by finding a striking knockout of some sort by rocking Daryush with strikes and swarming him to find a finish. But considering that we haven't even seen Ferguson rock opponents on the feet with strikes much lately, I think that's pretty unlikely. And the other way that I see Ferguson possibly winning is... 
having a cardio advantage in round three and being the fresher fighter, being able to pour it on and find a finish in round three versus Benil Daryush because Daryush did slow down a little bit in round three versus uh, CDF in his last fight. But even in that fight, he won round three, in my opinion. I thought he won all three rounds in that fight. So I don't know how one judge had that fight split for Carlos Diego Ferreira. But that performance alone should be all you need to see to pick Benil Daryush in this fight. I mean, he outstruck Carlos Diego Ferreira, took him down, outgrappled him, had the better cardio. I mean, he beat Diego Ferreira everywhere. And I think that Diego Ferreira is better than Tony Ferguson everywhere. So I don't see Neil Daryush losing this fight out of some freak finish from Ferguson. I think that Ferguson is way past his prime. He sounds completely delusional at the press conference and all of his interviews. And I just don't trust him to do the right things. I don't think you should either. And I think that Benio Daryushi is the side to be on here. And I think he wins this fight pretty comfortably. I could see him finding a finish on the feet or on the ground. I could see him winning by decision too. I think a knockout on the feet is actually pretty likely with how hard Benio Daryush hits and with how hittable Ferguson is looking lately. I think that Daryush is going to find a finish here at some point in rounds one or two. So. Let's go with a round two TKO pick for Benil Daryush. It could happen in a lot of different ways, but I think the Daryush is pretty comfortable to win here. I would cap him closer to 65-70%. So I like Daryush money line here for a bet, and I'm picking him to win by finish. The next fight is the main event of the card and takes place for the vacant UFC lightweight championship. We have Charles Oliveira as the minus 134 favorite taking on Michael Chandler as the plus 114 underdog. Amazing fight between two great fighters. Really looking forward to this fight. The stare down between these two guys yesterday was intense. I'm really hyped for this fight all of a sudden. And I tend to overanalyze these main events in the, the pay-per-view, so I'll try to keep this one short. And I'll start off by saying, if you watch Charles Oliveira versus Kevin Lee, I think you see a lot of red flags from Charles Oliveira in that fight that makes him unbettable as a favorite here against Michael Chandler. The first issue is that Oliveira has been looking a lot better in terms of his offensive striking in his recent fights. He's been pressuring his opponents, mixing up his offense. He looks like a lot better striker, but his defensive striking has not really gotten any better. He still marches forward without much defense, and he is very open to counter right hands. Kevin Lee hit him with a few right hands. We saw him briefly drop versus uh, David Tamer. So I think there are still some major concerns over Oliveira's defensive boxing. I don't think he has the greatest chin. And if he's pressuring Michael Chandler, putting him on the back foot, he's going to be very live to get countered hard, to get rocked with the right hand, and to get put out cold. And as we saw... For Michael Chandler in his last fight, he has power in both hands. He was able to drop Dan Hooker with a left hook. We've seen him knock guys out with his right hand before. So Chandler has confirmed punching power in both of his hands. The next issue I noticed is that Oliveira was too willing to spend time on bottom. He got taken down a few times in this fight, and he was attacking submissions off his back. He wasn't in terrible positions, but he did spend two or three minutes on his back in rounds one and round two of that fight. And lucky for him, Kevin Lee gassed out, gave up his neck for an easy submission in round three. But Charles Oliveira spent way too much time just laying on his back in that fight for my comfort. I mean... Michael Chandler has very capable takedowns. He's a great wrestler. He can keep top position. He's not really known for passing guard, landing much ground and pound, going for submissions. He's kind of a lay and pray type of guy, but he can keep top position. All he has to do is defend those submissions from bottom from Oliveira, and I think he is capable of defending those. So I'm not saying I'm confirming that Michael Chandler is going to come in with a wrestling game plan, but 
if Michael Chandler wants to hit takedowns, I think he will hit the takedowns. And I think that Oliveira is going to be a little too willing to lay on his back for long periods of time, attack guard submissions, and that's going to tire him out. Chandler's going to build confidence on top. And as long as Chandler can avoid that guard submission from bottom, I think that he should win multiple minutes from top position every time he gets a takedown. One negative and critical thing I'll say of both of these guys is that neither of them have fought the greatest strength of schedule. If you look at Oliveira's seven or eight fight win streak, a lot of those guys are like mid-tier, B-level fighters, and he did finish them. He did look good doing so, but I don't think he's really fought in any elite-level competition. The same could be said about Michael Chandler. His Bellator competition was pretty easy. I do think the most impressive thing that either guy has done on their win streak is Michael Chandler's knockout over Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker is the best opponent that either guy has defeated recently so i think that is a cap in the or a feather in the cap of michael chandler that was an amazing ufc debut he barely threw any strikes in that fight but he was timing that left hand the entire time he finally landed that left hook and he showed that he has power in both hands and that he can put durable fighters out i mean dan hooker was an extremely durable fighter he bombs from Dustin Poirier and Paul Felder and barbosa and he still took a lot of those shots and was never finished i guess barbosa finished him but Dan Hooker had been known for being extremely durable and Chandler sat him down with one punch and was able to knock him out in the first round. So that Hooker win definitely gave me a lot more confidence in Michael Chandler and I think we could see a pretty similar outcome happen here and that is Chandler land a big punch in the chin of Oliveira in the first two rounds and get a knockout. In this matchup I give advantages to Chandler in durability, power, boxing and wrestling and i give advantages to Oliveira in kicking and jujitsu i would say that the cardio is the more unknown element of this fight i don't know who's going to be the fresher fighter late it really depends on the pace of the first two rounds who's winning the first two rounds we have seen Chandler go the full five rounds and win a five-round decision against Brent Primus just a few years ago he hit takedowns and laid and prayed for the full five rounds in that fight so i guess michael chandler on paper has a slight cardio advantage but it really is unknown that's in kind of an unknown element of this fight who knows who's going to be the fresher fighter late as i mentioned it really depends on the early dynamics but i give a lot of advantages to michael chandler here i think he's the better athlete i think he's more durable and i think that power punching is really going to be the x factor in this fight and i think that chandler is going to land some big punches on Oliveira in the first two rounds and he's going to knock Oliveira out so the pick for me is going to be chandler round two knockout I could see it happening in round one as well, but I think that the chin of Oliveira is too exposed. He does not have good enough boxing defense, and I think that the power punching and the setups of Michael Chandler will find a home, and he's going to connect on the chin and knock Charles Oliveira out in round two. So the pick for me is Michael Chandler, round two knockout, and I do have a bet on Michael Chandler, one unit, plus 120 odds over on the FanDuel Sportsbook. I actually tracked this bet a long time ago, like a month ago, and the price is still kind of hovering around the same price, so I might even add a little bit more depending on how the next 24 hours go. I have three or four bets tracked in this fight already, and I have one on my track bets for five weeks in a row, seven of the past eight weeks, so make sure you're trailing my official track bets on my Bet MMA Tips page, and that is going to do it for this podcast. I apologize for any audio issues early on in the first maybe five or ten minutes, but I think they corrected themselves pretty quickly. The construction work stopped outside, so sorry if that was a slight annoyance, but thank you all for listening to the podcast. Hope you're all following me on Twitter. Hope you're all following me on Bet MMA Tips. Make sure you're trailing my bets, and hope you all enjoy the fights and win some bets this weekend. I'll see you all before the next UFC card. Peace.